Welcome, friends, to Sanctimonious. This is a Keyforge podcast where two zealous players discuss a new topic every week. This week, we'll be discussing combos in synergy in Age of Ascension. My name is Jake, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dan. Dan, how's it going? Hey, man. Still uh, fighting this head cold, so still have that nice, nasally, soothing voice that some of you have commented on, so you're welcome. Yeah. I would say, if there's any question about which of the two of us has the soothing voice, it's uh, definitely you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, just doing what I can. Doing what I can, folks. All right. What's up, Jake? Uh, I am doing well myself. Um, getting pretty excited because I will be attending the Origins Vault Tour this coming weekend. What? If, uh, if you're planning on attending that, uh, I would love to meet you. Um, I'll make sure to post sort of a, I'll post a picture either on, on Twitter and in our Discord just about what I'm look like, what I'm wearing, <laughs> so that people can come up and say hi. That would be super cool. Wear that bucket hat you wore when you were uh, playing soccer the other day. That'll make you. Or no, that was yeah. Six Flags. Do your Six Flags <laughs> pin up again. That's, that's yeah. pretty memorable right there. Easily recognizable. My <laughs> octopus shorts and squid tank top or whatever. <laughs> And you have to walk around carrying that turkey leg, too. Right. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll post something. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the event. And it would be super cool to meet anyone who's listened to this podcast or hangs out in the Discord. That would be just great. So that is our first exciting announcement. Dan, what's our second exciting announcement? Um, so also, I mean, quickly tagging onto that one. We do have some business cards slash archive indicators in the works right now and we're hoping that maybe we get those to jake in time so that if you do run into them at origins you can get a official sanctimonious archive card that has the uh the show logo and some cool stuff on it our contact info but i guess our second big announcement is we are going to finally kick off the sanctimonious uh adaptive league um we've both been talking a lot about adaptive i still sadly have not played adaptive i feel like such a fraud like i want to play so <laughs> bad and i just haven't like i just haven't i have too many decks um we we found out about my degenerate deck buying so i always play like five decks with my buddy or not five decks well i do play five decks we play five games and we each switch decks because he has the same degenerate buying problem that i have so we have all these new decks that we have to try out so we never get around to doing adaptive so we're actually going to run a sanctimonious adaptive league um, join our Discord if you want to be a part of it. There's going to be a new channel starting in there. When you sign up, you can either um, just at me or at Jake, so that way we can get you on the sign-up list. Um, there'll be more details in the future. Um, we're still kind of piecing it together, but we wanted to start taking sign-ups, and the league's not going to start until AOA is functional on the Crucible because we want people to be able to play their AOA decks in the league. So... Um, this is just kind of the early call, so if you want to be a part of that, join our Discord. There's plenty of other reasons why you should be joining our Discord, but here's one more reason to join our Discord. Awesome. Uh, so with those announcements out of the way, let's jump straight into Inspiration, where we talk about one thing that inspired us Keyforge-related in the past week. One inspiration I had was uh, last week I got to play a bunch of really awesome release events. 
and I got this one deck that is Dis, Sanctum, and Logos. And it's, it's, it's a little light on creatures, and it's an epic quest deck. So I ended up playing it uh, in one of the events and, and had 50% win rate with it. Um, and then after the event was over, it kind of hit me because in the final game I lost, I had archived a, a few Sanctum cards, and I was one card away from cashing in an epic quest for the win. And it kind of clicked with me at that moment that I've been playing this deck entirely wrong. I should be focusing on archiving Sanctum cards uh, throughout the course of the game, rather than just thinking about it when that epic quest came up and trying to sort of do it at that point. And I've been playing that deck a lot, testing out playing with this new line and focus, and it's been really successful and super fun. So to me, that was a really cool moment of exploration with the new set of how even old cards are changed and functional in ways they weren't before because there's such great archiving in the logo side. A lot of times I can already have seven cards in my archive before I even play the Epic Quest, meaning I'm not losing out on value by you know archiving away creatures from play. Um, and it's really cool. It's a super fun deck that I'm really enjoying playing with. And uh, just finding interesting cool line was my week inspiration yeah i got smashed by an epic quest deck by the nick of slots this morning where he used um not finished with you yet to good to good use with an epic quest so that was pretty gross um so not finished with you is a discard that gives you an amber i believe and shuffles in any creatures from your discard pile back into your deck so yeah that's pretty pretty gross when you get towards the end of your deck and you have epic quest out you shuffle back in all those knights and well, it's just Sanctum creatures. It doesn't even have to be knights at that point. So you just have to play seven Sanctum cards. So yeah, Epic Quest yeah. is uh, it's got some it's got some ways to get there. Logos and Dis really pair well with it. If you could get a Logos and Dis deck, oh my goodness, that'd be silly. One more reason why artifact destruction <laughs> seems really important in this set. Very much the case. Um, so my inspiration opened my box. Um, it came in on Thursday. Super exciting. I opened it on stream. So if you really are hard up for wanting to see packs being opened really slowly, um, I did that on stream. <laughs> um, but it was fun. Like a couple of people were hanging out and I had it. Uh, I would scan them in right away and just have the master vault up on the screen so you can actually see the entire deck with me and you can kind of hear my initial impressions on my box if that's something that you really want to see. But otherwise, um, my main takeaway from opening my box is that Sealed is in a great place for AOA. Um, one of my hopes for the set was that the spread of decks was a little bit tighter. And like my top deck, I mean, we know right now that Sass is not, it's not super accurate. Like they're still trying to figure out what cards are good and everything. But even with that said, like my top deck was like an 82. My bottom deck was a 66, but the 66 was like four points lower than my next lowest deck at 70. And just kind of like as I was opening each deck, it was kind of like, yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's meh. It's pretty good. Oh, it's really good. I mean, there's two, there's like probably two or three that really stuck out as being like probably better than the rest, but not so much better than the rest that, you know, in a sealed matchup, um, I mean, you just got a shot. Like there's not, there wasn't really any one deck where I'm just like, whoa, this thing's just going to smoke the rest of the box. So I think that's good. That's good for sealed. Um, it's kind of, 
I don't know. It's so weird. You you really hope to get like that one like insane deck, and it just does seem like AOA is kind of balanced a little bit more towards the medium, which is good, which is overall good. But yeah, it's sad that I didn't open. Yeah. I didn't. I was every every deck. I was like, this is the deck with Martian generosity. Nope. <laughs> For the first time in my Keyforge career, I was hoping to open Mars decks, <laughs> but no. It's it's inspired me though. Like it was very good because, like I said, like having that more kind of average deck power within a box means that when you go to your sealed events, it's not just who opens the ridiculously insane deck. Like that can still happen, but it seems like it's way more balanced. And all the decks that I opened in that box seem like they're pretty pretty evenly matched. Yeah, it was fun watching you open them. I had to duck out early, but. I would recommend checking it out if it was, you know, we're, you got some good names in there too. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's definitely some solid solid names. Um, Big, Daddy. Big Daddy, <laughs> that one was amazing. <laughs> Let me find that one really quick. Um, yeah, so no, the names are still great. Only Big Daddy Bitlack. That one, it might not be the best deck in the world, but that's like the kind of deck you just need to like hone in on, master, yeah, and then crush people and like adapt. Yeah, there you go. It looks like it. pretty solid adaptive. It's three times carpet floxums. Interesting. But anyways, that's our inspiration. Opened a box. It was fun. I didn't get my Martian Generosity. Sad days. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm excited for the sealed future of the game because that seems like it's in a really good spot. Awesome. Well, let's head over to our main topic where we're discussing combos and synergy in Age of Ascension. All right, I got to do the first one. Okay, okay. All you, man. This is my O-Sam from last week. Uh, Martian Generosity plus Key Abduction is like the top number one interaction to be aware of. Um, I broke it down a little bit more. I think I broke it down last week, but um, you can totally forge a key if you have four amber when you start your turns. If you have four amber in your pool and you have Martian Generosity in hand, uh, you play Martian Generosity, which pushes you to five, which draws you to 10 cards, which puts 15 cards in your hand. So as long as the key cost is 6, keys cost 15. So when you play Key Abduction, since you have that in hand too by this point, or you probably drew into it, um, you gain 1 Amber and pay the 1 Amber plus the 14 cards in your hand to forge a key. So yeah, that's, uh, that's really good. It's really, really good to go from 4 Amber to having 15 cards in hand and a key. And that's pretty hard to really interact or stop with. I mean, there's just... Not a lot you can do about it when you're sitting across the table when all they need is to start their turn with four amber. Yeah, that's crazy. Not only do you get the key for essentially a cost of four, but then you're ending your turn with a grip full of cards, putting you in a really good position moving forward. So that's definitely one of those top end interactions to know and be aware of. Yeah, and like we said, I don't... If your opponent has it, I don't know how you really stop it. I mean, you just have to try to keep them at low amber um, or increase their key cost so it's not quite as easy to pull off, but it's just tough. But it's something, if you see Martian Generosity Key Abduction, just know that you're you're pretty much never safe. Like, at any point, they could draw <laughs> 10 cards and forge a key. Well, let's move on to the second one, which is... 
uh, binate rupture and interactions with that. So this is a card that is Logos and says Alpha, uh, double the amber in your amber pool and double the amber in your opponent's amber pool. And this card by itself, there's a little bit of debate about how good it is if you have if you have that card without a combo to interact with it. I found it to be pretty subpar personally. I've actually had it in two sealed tournament decks so far, and it's pretty difficult to find a moment where your opponent has you know one or two amber and you have three, because if they have three or more amber, you're putting them on a key right away, uh, which doesn't always feel good, especially because they're going to be the ones foraging first. Um, and... Even if they make a key the previous turn, there's no reason why they couldn't still just go right back up to two or three amber. So it's kind of tough on its own. However, there are some really good synergies uh, to turn that into a strong benefit for you. And I think the premier one is Binate Rupture plus Interdimensional Graph, which is uh, another Logos card that gains you an amber. And it says, after your opponent forges a key, you gain the remainder of their amber. So if you if they're starting their turn or if your opponent is at four or five amber or more at the start of your turn and you double it with a with an interdimensional graph in hand, sometimes that inter interdimensional graph is essentially going to be stealing three or four amber from your opponent, which is very yeah. strong. That is amazing. Yeah. Uh, another way uh, to benefit from it is if is if you have a helper bot, which is a one power logos creature that works just like a phase shift and says you can play one off house card this turn. Uh, so that's another good way to take advantage of that extra amber. Um, so using a key cheat of some sort, whether that's a Chota or a key charge, or even a steel card in shadows, if, if you had it into too much to protect, that would be pretty crazy as well. Um, so yeah, so those are sort of things to maybe check back through your binate rupture decks and see if you have any ways to uh, turn that pro and con into a pro and pro. Yeah, and then one more um, also included, I guess, is Cutthroat Research, a card that kind of seems pretty terrible on its own, but if you binate rupture somebody from four to eight and steal them back down to six, like you're still kind of giving up that key but it is a way to get the full three amber out of um, Cutthroat Research, which is it gains an amber when you play it. And if your opponent has eight or more, you steal two from them. So just another way to kind of get some work out of Binate Rupture. Oh, and then one more synergy with it. Sorry, there's a lot apparently. Is, uh, is Jar Goggle, which is the Logos creature that lets you play a card underneath it. Um, and then if Jar Goggle dies on your turn, play that card. So that'd be another way to uh, perhaps get that Binate Rupture into too much to protect or something else along those lines, even uh, without the Helper Bot. Yep. So that's that one, Binate Rupture and all of its funness. Um, now we're going to kind of move into some uh, mass damage type combos to be aware of. So the first one I've got listed here is they're everywhere. So that's an untamed one that does two damage to flank creatures and one damage to non-flank creatures for your enemy only. And then uh, Save the Pack is like a really sweet one-sided wrath if they don't have armor. 
and I've got a couple decks with that little combo in it, and it's really nice to just one-sided wrath your opponent with two cards. Yeah, Save the Pack seems like a card that is much better uh, in Age of Ascension just because of all the mass damage spells. Um, I mean, you still need those cards in the deck, or it's still or it's going to be bad, but if you have one or two ways to damage a bunch of creatures, Save the Pack really gives you some great value. Yep, and so some other... I also have Piranha Monkeys and Save the Pack. It's a pretty nice little combo. Um, Cooperative Hunting is not around anymore, so that's gone. But uh, um, other things that we have to kind of watch out for in the same vein is Plague Rat into Save save the Pack. If if you can play Plague Rats one turn, put damage on a bunch of stuff, and then Save the Pack the next turn, that's pretty sweet. Um, All this stuff plus Darna. So Plague Rats and Darna. So Darna is a untamed creature that when she comes in, she heals one for each friendly damage creature, and you gain an Amber for this so again um, piranha monkeys or plague rats to damage all of your battle line and then drop a darna for a sweet amber burst is a lot of fun um all these things again they're everywhere piranha monkeys plague rats plus mars needs amber so again it's a turn over turn play that you need to do but mars needs amber is a mars card that says let's see here it gains an amber when you play it play each damaged enemy non-mars creature captures one from their own side so kind of a nice little um control amber control card there can really quickly take them off the check and then have that amber not accessible to them anymore yeah that's another one like save the pack that's either going to be just awesome in your deck or kind of low impact depending on if you have a way to do a small amount of damage to your opponent's creatures um I also wanted to, just a really quick correction. Darn actually doesn't heal your creatures. It just gains one for each damage creature. And then it has reap heal too. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, I've only been playing myself mostly, so I've only cheated myself out of that interaction. But gain one for each damage. Oh, yeah, look at that. So it doesn't heal one. All right. Even better if you do. Like, I've got a double Darna deck, so now I just need to put one damage on my creatures to... I thought I had to get two before, so that makes it even better. And does does Plague Rats deal damage to everything or just your opponent? Uh, Plague Rats deals damage to everything that's not a Plague Rat. Oh, okay. Yep, so it hits you. Um, then a couple more uh, mass damage. We have Whistling Darts with all of the above. So Whistling Darts does one to every enemy creature. So Save the Pack is good there. Um, Whistling Darts plus Misery Exploit is pretty amazing, a turn over turn play. Misery Exploit is a discard that you gain in Amber for each damaged enemy creature. And it does not come with an Amber baked in, but um, yeah, there's there's a few different ways to throw some damage out, which is really nice then um, to go into Misery Exploit the next turn, or just smashing your, cre- your disc creatures into their creatures just to put damage on them and gain a bunch of amber. Yeah, and just to recap, since we've set a bunch of cards, uh, the, the synergy here to be aware of are these mass damage spells, uh, whistling darts, plague rats, piranha monkeys. They're everywhere, uh, plus cards that give you value for it, which is save the pack, Mars needs amber, and misery exploit as the pr- premier options. Agreed. The next one is one of my favorite combos, which is uh, Drummer Knot into Gander Chieftain. And then similarly, 
is double gray riders. And the way uh, this combo works is if your opponent has no creatures on the board, uh, you play your gray rider next to another gray rider, then they bounce their effect off each other. Uh, one reaps and makes the other, or one, when it comes into play, makes the second gray rider ready and fight. Uh, since there's nothing to fight, you can reap, which makes the second gray rider ready and fight. And then you can reap with that as well. So if you're starting the turn with both in play, it's a six amber. Uh, if you need to play one or two, then it's important to keep in mind those plays actually count towards the rule of six. So if you play both, you're only going to be able to gain four amber with it. And then Drummer Knot and Ganger Chieftain works very similarly. Uh, if your opponent has five or fewer total power on their side of the board, uh, when, drum when Drummer Knot comes into play, it's going to return a friendly other giant. So in that case, you want to pick the Ganger Chieftain. And then when you play Ganger Chieftain, it says ready and you may ready and fight with a neighboring creature. Uh, when you fight with the Drummer Knot, then you return the Ganger Chieftain back to your hand to rinse and repeat. If your opponent runs out of creatures to fight, then you'll be able to reap instead with the Drummer Knot gaining up to six amber, depending on uh, if, if the cards are already in play or not at the start of your turn. As you can already tell, there's going to be a lot more running into the rule of six in AOA, which is kind of fun. It's kind of neat. Like there's definitely there's definitely a lot more possibility of running into that rule. I feel like it was pretty rare in Coda to run into the rule of six. And it's a uh, it is important to note, and I think a, a like I honestly didn't realize that playing a card and activating it would be two separate things. So I was thinking that. Like when I first started playing with the new cards, that Ganger Chieftain and Drummer Knot would essentially always be six activations. But you do have to remember that playing a card counts towards that as well. So that's something to be aware of, whether it's you or your opponent uh, getting this combo off, just to make sure that you're not gaining an extra amber or two. Yep. All right. Next one. This one's fairly simple. Um, but Lollop. So that's the Brobnar creature that comes in with 11 power. Uh, plus the flex, which that gives you five amber right off the cuff. As long as he's ready, you can play flex into a lollop to exhaust him and gain five amber, which is pretty sweet. Because flex just says use a friendly, ready Brobnar creature and gain half amber and exhaust them. Something along those lines. Yeah. If we're saying if we're going full in synergy, you know, uh, maybe throw on that plus five power upgrade too. <laughs> Sixteen for quick eight. Blood of Titans onto lollop into the flex. Yep, and then the other one that we like with Lollop is Into the Fray. So Into the Fray gives a friendly Brobnar creature the fight ability for the turn to ready after it fights. And I actually got to use that in a sealed event to kill six very small Logos creatures by putting Into the Fray onto Lollop and just wiping their board. <clears throat> and these, these cards also uh, synergize very well uh, with Drummer Knot and uh ganger chieftain if you had them all in the same deck um that would be fantastic because you could set up a situation where you can play into the fray on uh wallop the first turn it comes into play and then ready and fight with it to go off without waiting a, a turn 
And then, you know, if you had it, then you could do flex as well. So those just kind of improve it in making it so that you might be able to do it turn one instead of having to call uh, Brobnar again a second turn. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Brobnar has kind of gotten really kind of crazy. There's some crazy combos that you can really pull off in Brobnar now. And the last thing with Lollop that we're just going to point out is Might Makes Right. That's the uh, new rare Brobnar cheat card that if you have, if you if you're able to sacrifice 25 power worth of creatures, uh, you just forge a key. And so Lollop is almost half of it at 11 power. So two Lollops puts you to 22 already, which is pretty cool. Yeah, even even having one Lollop in a deck with Might Makes Right is, is going to increase your power considerably like i think that uh i think might makes right is a viable card but it, it gets a lot better with having like one or two of these guys to just you know play the same turn and sack it you could be forging a key out of nowhere sad sad trombone alert dan opened a might makes right deck where the total creature power in the deck added up with all three houses is 34 to 37 depending on if there's a neighbor on the other side of Knox. <laughs> yeah, that's sad. It's so sad. It means I have to have like 10 creatures on board in order to use Might Makes Right. All right, sad trombone off. Next one, which I'm so sad that you're getting and I don't. I'll, I'll let you chime in too, but uh, this is just to point out the synergy between the three Yurks cards. So there's Yurk, old yurk and then ancient yurk and these cards when they come into play yurk says you have to discard one card from your hand old yurk you have to discard two and ancient yurk you discard three so we wanted to point out the synergy between that and exhume which is the discard that gives you an amber and lets you return a card and play it as if it is part of the active house so there's a ton of really good synergy there because that really takes that what could be perceived as a negative of discarding really high impact creatures and turns it into a benefit of being able to really select um, and get value out of a specific card that might really make a big impact uh, that turn, especially because of how good a lot of the play abilities are um, in the age of Ascension. Yes. Yes. So much so. So like, like as a subtopic, just pretty much exhume plus any tech creature needed, any playability needed is so good. Um, I lost to an exhumed Dusk Witch the other day because I'd used my removal to get rid of her a couple of times already. And the, <laughs> the exhume and setting her next to two taunt creatures uh, just ensured that he actually got to untap twice with her on the board. And yeah, that was pretty much game over. Um, I've exhumed a Bramo before to take care of Gal's another two power elusive a Tesmol before they could use it. There's just so many. There's so many good creatures right now that man that Exhum gives you an amber when you play it, which is almost unfair. <laughs> like it's it's such a good card already because you're just playing any creature out of your discard, so you're getting exactly what you need from the discard. Then you get the amber too, so it's it's really good right now. Like I think Exhum's one of those cards that you want to see at least one or two in your disc lineup and you're never going to be unhappy. I mean, you're never going to be unhappy to see them. And then just depending on what's in your other houses, it can be really, really good. So yeah, I'm trying to snap up all the Exhume Ronnie wrist locks, wrist clocks decks I can, because that just feels so good. So very good. 
That reminds me of another uh, diss action that seems to not need an amber, but that's a, another topic, I guess. Um, another, so another really good one uh, that includes Exhum is just to point out the way that Hecatomb interacts with Exhum. That's a card that says destroy all your disc creatures, gain one, or destroy all disc creatures. Their owner then gains one amber for each creature destroyed. Uh, so there's some pretty crazy lines you can set up with that. Uh, one that's really good is if you have a Dust Imp already in play at the start of your turn, which you're likely to do, because typically it's not a high priority for your opponent to kill your Dust Imp, uh, which is the two-power disc creature that gains you two amber when destroyed. Um, so say you have that, and that's the only card you have out in play, you can fight with that, gaining the two amber, exhume it, gaining an amber and return it to play, then play Hecatomb, destroying your Dust Imp, gaining three amber. So just that alone is giving you an entire key worth of amber. Uh, pretty nasty little little bit of synergy there. Yep, nope, seems pretty good. And then next we have Professor Sutterkin. He is a Logos creature that is insane. Um, so he comes in at two power and he has a reap ability to draw a card for each friendly Logos creature. Um, there's another Logos card that is pretty good. It's called Rocket Boots. Rocket Boots says this creature gains Fight Reap. If this is the first time this creature is used this turn, ready it. So yeah, Professor Sutterkin with some Rocket Boots is, you know, depending on the deck, is like draw five or draw ten cards maybe. Untap with him the next turn and drop a Rocket Boots on him and double Reap for all the card draw. And I mean, if you draw more Logos creatures off the first draw, you're drawing even more cards on the second draw because it's not friendly ready creatures, it's just friendly Logos creatures. So yeah, it's really good. I've got a deck that's called The One Who Misleads Serpents. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it has a sweet Logos lineup that I'm really looking forward to trying out. I think the other two houses are pretty eh, but uh, it's got the Professor Sutterkin and Rocket Boots with a lot of Logos creatures. So <laughs> I'm... I'm going to have to take that one for a spin when the TCO gets updated. So that creature, and then the other creature we called out for Rocket Boots would be Tezmal, the disc creature that is Restringed Guntis, essentially, but you have to reap with him. And he can turn off houses, so if you untap with a Tezmal, you can shut off two of their houses, so he becomes almost a gain to control the weak. That's pretty good, yeah. Because since he's only allowing you to choose one house, so yeah. If Control the Week for one Amber wasn't good enough for you, there's a way to get it twice and to call it each turn until they remove the creature. So have fun with that. A Helper Bot might be really good there, so where you could play the Tezmal and the Rocket Boots in one turn, so it doesn't have to stick around for two turns before yeah. using it, which seems unlikely. I would say Professor Sutterkin is, is a card that should be right up there in the threat category with dust witch or witch of the eye it's just one of those cards that if you can't kill it the turn it if you can kill it the turn it comes into play you probably should because that can just really snowball and it doesn't take much at all right it could be one turn yeah. they drop the rocket boots and now okay they've just drew 12 cards off the top of their deck you know nope there's a lot of two power creatures that need to die and die quickly yeah which also shows how important a lot of the uh, cards that we've highlighted before, like Bramo, uh, are 
for just being able to deal that two damage. Yes, yes. As a little bit of a, a meta commentary here from the minds at Sanctimonious. All right, next up. Okay, so this one, I had the pleasure of actually getting this off without seeing it beforehand in the list. I, I was just like, I got these two cards and I started using that interaction. I was just like, wait a second, this is insane. <laughs> so, and the, that combo is Archimedes, which is a, a two power Logos creature that says its neighbors gain destroyed archive this creature. And the synergy with that is bouncing death quark, which is destroy (laughs) one of your opponent's creatures and destroy one of your creatures. So if you destroy theirs and choose to destroy your creature next to Archimedes, then your battle line, that card gets archived, your battle line shifts over, you destroy their next creature destroy another next Archimedes, so on and so forth, to whereas you can blow up their whole line while archiving your creatures. And this gets even better um, in the context of Logos having some of the very best cards that you want to uh, archive. So the deck um, that I got it off in is called Resnick, uh, Booklands, Rabid, Courier, and the three cards I archived while destroying my opponent's board was Igor, Helperbot, and Helperbot. So it's just <laughs> insane cards that, you know, you want to be playing again. So it's really uh, even better to have them in your archive than it is to have on the board. So it's just value all over the place. Even in the other houses, there's really good play card effects. I mean, like a Ronnie Wrist Clocks, if you can archive your Ronnie Wrist Clocks for a future turn, like... Schulers, Schulers are still around, like archiving those guys. The Brammos, if they're sitting out there, like I mean, what's the are... Beam Boozler or something? Yeah, so the Mars, the Mars guy, yeah, he's really good. Uh, the Beam bu- Buckler, who does two when he's played and moves the creature to the flank, so you can get them out of position. Yeah, there's just so many good play effects like that, and that's just sweet. Because I mean, yeah, you're getting those creatures off your board, which is kind of unfortunate, but by throwing them into your archives. I mean, you're just going to be replaying them. So, like, maybe, yeah, you don't reap with them, but there's enough reap hate in the new set that you're not reaping a ton anymore anyways. So you almost get more value by just archiving them and replaying them again. But, yeah, very cool. I can't wait to set up that big battle line, and they have that big battle line, and then just watch their face, you know, like, just yeah. what's happening as you start bouncing death corking and archiving everything. Yep, that was fun. That was probably my favorite play so far I've had with the new cards. Um, So our next one that we have, uh, again, this one's more of a simplistic one, is just Glimmer plus Nature's Call. So Glimmer is an alpha card. It's a one-power creature that when it hits the board, you can return a card from your discard to your hand. And then Nature's Call gives you an amber, and you are allowed to return three creatures to hand. And this can essentially set up a little soft lock, so if they just can't get out enough creatures to, like, hold the board you can just keep looping that over and over again turn after turn like not every and over again the same turn because of the alpha but from turn to turn you can kind of create a little soft lock there and then you also have persistent hunting is another one that you can kind of loop with glimmer to keep tapping down so if they have just one house out on board right now you can just keep exhausting that house so they can't use it yeah you can't do it over and over but um or you but the it could be almost like a two-turn time lock if you play persistent hunting, um, or you you play persistent hunting next turn, 
you play glimmer into persistent hunting again that's just really strong if they only have one house yep nope so glimmer glimmer's gonna unlock a lot of different things glimmer's a great card another card that just allows you to pull things out of your discard i feel like that's another thing we're seeing a lot more of is abilities to grab cards out of your discard and either reshuffle them into your deck or put them in your hand which just opens up so many more lines of play as you're going through you're not just trying to race through your deck to redraw some of these cards some of these cards you can just straight draw back to your hand to reuse them when they're needed gives you a lot more flexibility as you're playing the game all right the next one is scullion plus brand or the imps so scullion is a discard it's seven power and two armor and it says destroy or sacrifice one of your creatures when you put it into play which at first glance seems maybe not so great. We kind of saw in Call of the Archons, big creatures being pretty low impact in general in the context of how the meta shook out. So sacrificing a creature in order to have one seems pretty poor. However, uh, if that creature you're sacrificing is giving you a couple amber or it's stealing three amber from your opponent, then that drawback all of a sudden becomes a pretty good benefit. Um, and then I think just to point out, uh, that could also synergize with the imps that are, uh, Ember Imp, for instance, which says that you, uh, all creatures are stunned when they reap. It could be nice just to get that out of the way, uh, before you spend a turn reaping or same with the card that is, uh, reap and destroy a creature after reaping. Blood Shard Imp. Blood Shard Imp. Yes. Yeah, so sorry. Just to be clear, Blood Shard Imp says... After a creature reaps, destroy it. So that'd be another one you could uh, off that way. Though I suppose you could just off that itself by reaping. So this, the other like synergy he has too is if you have a playability, say like a Ronnie Wrist Clocks. Like I don't know if I've mentioned this enough yet. And <laughs> you have a Scullion and Exhum in hand. Like you Scullion your Ronnie and Exhum your Exhum Ronnie back onto the board to steal one or two from your opponent that's a pretty strong play where it's just yeah it's all it's all value just so much value if you have exhum and scullion and scullion and tech creatures and all those fun things all right uh let's go dusk witch so this one this one's actually something to be aware of so if you're looking through your opponent's list say you're not playing sealed say you're playing an archon event and you see that they have hypnobeam collar of uh, hypnobeam is a mars card that takes control of an opponent's creature. Uh, Collar of Subordination, that's a repeat from Coda. Again, it just takes control of an opponent's creature. And then Overlord Grecking is also another one that can steal a creature by fighting and destroying it. So if you see any one of these three cards, you need to be aware when you're playing a card such as Duskwitch. Uh, Duskwitch is typically an Omega card, so you can't actually get its use um, the turn you play it. But if somebody takes control of it with any one of those three cards, all of a sudden they have that ability. They don't. They aren't paying the emo, the omega cost. So yeah, if you go dusk witch and they go hypno beam and steal your dusk witch, all their Mars creatures that turn are coming in ready. So definitely something to watch out for if they have those cards. I mean, dusk witch is maybe a dead card all of a sudden. Um, there's just some bad things that can happen. Yeah, you definitely want to hold it maybe until they you see that card hit the yard. 
or you know discard it if you have reason to believe they could still be holding it for sure that's a really good point it's also good with brand the shadows card where it says your opponent gains one amber and when it gains just destroyed steal three if your opponent takes that from you and then it gets destroyed in maybe an unlocked gateway or a coward's end or something along those lines then you will have your three amber stolen and you already gave them one so that's pretty devastating yep so definitely beware of some of these some of these cards there's a lot i feel like hypno beam's pretty common like i don't i think it's an uncommon but in the few games i've been playing like it seems like i've been hypno beamed more than a few times yeah it definitely seems i mean it's, it's something even in sealed you might want to be aware of uh, as as at least a possibility yep all right, two left. We're almost there. This one's very straightforward. It's a bond, the armor smith plus Marek the marked. So a bond is a, a sanctum creature. I believe it's three power, and it says give all your friendly creatures plus one armor. And it has a reap ability, which is give another creature plus one armor. And then Marek the marked is a five power, one armor creature. That says whenever its armor is used to prevent damage, capture that much. So typically, capture that much amber from your opponent. So typically, that's just one. Uh, but if it's got extra armor from your bond, you could be capturing as much as three amber a turn from your opponent, which is a pretty significant swing. Um, I wanted to include this mainly because. <laughs> poor sanctum doesn't really have any other synergies outside of the oh there are gray knights that we've highlighted but this one is pretty cool i've actually been impressed with uh, how much work Muruk does um and i think a lot of that is just because of incidental one damage spells like if your opponent has um they're everywhere or whistling darts um then that's going to be pinging Maruk and giving you that one capture. Or you can ping it yourself in any number of ways, whether it's uh, throwing stars or or uh, rats or, or what have you. There, there's quite a few ways to deal that one damage. And then it just gets better with the Armorsmith. Yep. And then you can with the Armorsmith, you can pump him to three armor too to really capture all the amber, which is pretty cool. Yeah. The Bond has an action to give an additional armor, so you can do that at the beginning of your turn to have Maruk knock somebody off the board that's three power or more to capture three. It's a pretty solid play. Pretty solid. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sanctum still has some combos. I actually have a really good Ostam deck, believe it or not. That's kind of exciting, and I can't wait to play. Um, it's got a Legacy Protectrix, because I'm of the Sanctimonious podcast, and I deserve a Legacy Protectrix. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sanctum, Sanctum House, definitely the best house, incomparable with any other. But having <laughs> said tired. that, eh, <laughs> pretty, pretty right. mediocre. Last one. We have Total Recall, which is a Mars card that says for every friendly ready creature you have, return them to your hand again in Amber. Uh, Vesmaya Think Drone um, with good play creatures. So pretty much what we're saying here is these two cards can take cards that have good play abilities. So again, Ronnie Risklocks. Um, Helperbot, Igor, Bramo, um, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, just being able to replay these cards. So Vesmaya Think Drone, I think, was pretty, pretty awful in Coda. 
Yeah, definitely really? not one you ever really wanted to see uh, in your deck. No, you really didn't. Like, there's a few things you could do. I mean, there's some artifacts that gained an amber when you replayed them that really didn't do anything while they're sitting on the board, so that was yeah. okay, but that was, like, best-case scenario. I think my best ever play with it was, like, reaping and archiving a sniffer and then playing that the next yeah, time exactly. one amber. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's no. pretty much, like, your high roll with that card in Call yeah. of Duty. I, saw, I mean, I saw some clever plays with uh, Marauder, which is another card you really weren't excited to see, but if you had a big board of Mars creatures and you archived Marauder for a turn and played him the following turn, it could capture quite a few. But oh, yeah. That's just so bad. It's, <laughs> it's still not awesome. Yeah, no, Not awesome, but now I feel like there are a lot of friendly creatures, like Brahma would be amazing to put away, because Brahma, when he's sitting on the board, doesn't do a lot, but when he drops into the board and does two damage to each flank creature your opponent controls... That is amazing. The important thing of highlighting there is that even though these two cards are from Call of the Archons, they really take on new life now. And I think at the beginning, I was sort of like seeing these cards in a couple lists and groaning. And then after, you know, just because that was my experience in the old set, I was like, these aren't good cards. But after playing a few games with them, Total Recall especially can be insane if it's gaining you four or five amber and then unlocking... Uh, some really good play abilities to come back out. I mean, that's just, that can be a really good card these days. Perfect. Um, so let's just do really quick. Let's do kind of our feeling of AOA now with another week under our belts. Um, I'll start really quick. So I haven't gotten to play as many games as I would like. TCO still isn't up. I played a few games on um, Tabletop Simulator just to get that itch in. And I've you know, played myself a few times on my <laughs> my desk here, just slamming my own decks into each other. Um, yeah, the Amber Control is super interesting now. Um, it's way less about stealing and capturing, and I feel like it's way more about increasing key costs and just setting these weird conditions to forge. Uh, so cards like Proclamation, the Sanctum card, that says if your opponent doesn't have a creature of each of their houses out on the board... They have to forge it plus two amber, so all of a sudden it costs eight. That's so good. Cards like Ronnie Wrist Clocks become so good. Cutthroat Research actually becomes good in that situation because stealing two when they're at eight does bring them off check all of a sudden. Like, it's just, it's a, it's such a weird, different game now. Like, it's the same game. The rules are all the same, but the strategy is so much different in the AOA decks, and it's really kind of exciting to kind of see these new, this kind of new way to play. Um, so that was my take right now is yeah, like Exhum and Cold of the Week are amazing. Cold of the Week's another discard that gives you an amber that probably shouldn't because it's just already so powerful that just says action destroy your opponent's your an enemy creature that has the least power. And there's so many least power creatures you want to kill. Yeah, it's like usually the one you want to kill. <laughs> right. It's hiding behind the huge taunt dude that you don't care about. That's a really good point. I mean, I guess my impression, and again, I haven't played too many games either, but it, it seems like I've, I've played a lot just kind of like running my own decks into each other just to see, um, you know, how cards work, like what kind of things come up. And I've found that my best decks are not the ones that rely on a big battle line to any degree. I mean, I think that could be a viable strategy and route to victory in sealed but i think that at the higher levels of play once people really start 
ironing out how to get the most value out of the new crazy archive abilities, um, how to get the most value out of the steel effects that are there. I think that uh, Age of Ascension games will start to look more like sort of the top level uh, Call of the Archon games. I think the strategies that were good which is, you know, gaining a lot of amber, having really strong actions and play effects are, are still going to be good here. And if anything, even though there are these good sticky creatures, um, you, you typically aren't getting that big of a reward from building up huge battle lines because of all the repay, as you've talked about. And then there's still plenty of board sweeps. Uh, I think Un Unlocked Gateway in particular is perhaps the best board clear effect that we've seen yet in Keyforge. That one's good. And you still have the Spirit's Way, which deals with a lot of the a lot of the stuff. I mean not the small creatures that we <laughs> Yeah, but you still have Coward's End, you still have and now um Save the Pack is much better as we talked about earlier. So Yep, with all the different ways to spread damage. Yeah, so even if the Amber if the Amber control has gone down, if, if anything, I feel like the board control has increased just i think the amber control is different now i think it's just yeah. more it's it's more difficult to gain amber with all the repaid so that kind of that kind of slows things down so you don't need as many like steel cards because you just you aren't gaining amber as quickly and then there's just so many ways to affect the key costs or make those weird conditions like heart of the forest is another card that i keep playing with because i have a couple decks with it and trying to figure out how to make that the most effective way. And then you've got the, <clears throat> excuse me, the disc, um, bronze, silver, and gold key imps. They can pre just prevent a first key forge or a second key forge if they're sitting on the board. So it's just, it's, it's really interesting. It's really fun. I'm enjoying kind of wrapping my head around this new way to play key forge. And I'm super excited to get some top end decks and smash them against some coded decks and see what happens. That also reminds me, I guess my last thing I'll say is it feels like even though lands is sadly no more, the library access and the Pentseed combo, I think in Age of Ascension, which I alluded to earlier, artifact destruction is actually more important than it was before because now there's not just one artifact that you have to destroy when it comes out. It seems like there are several, and I would be personally uh, really scared of running a no artifact interaction deck at any kind of tournament because I mean a lot of decks you maybe just lose to the heart of the forest on the spot or you lose the proclamation on the spot or epic quest comes down and that's like a real threat these days so I don't know I think you know find those artifact control decks as well yep no, that's that's very true. I lost the Proclamation Epic Quest deck this morning, and I drew my barehanded the turn I lost. So I was so close to ripping those off the table. Oh man! Yeah, no, exciting new, exciting new landscape to explore. We're still exploring, like we said, unfortunately, with TCO still not quite updated. But thank you, Jadriel, for all your work. We're behind you, man. Keep coding. We're excited for it to come out so we can really start jamming some games. Yeah, hopefully he's not listening to this though, because that would... <laughs> yeah, he can listen to this. He's not coding all the time. He's you know he's, kidding, he got a day job too, so he can be listening yeah. to this during his day job. Um, yeah, or while coding. <laughs> it could, but only those two things. Right. But no, we appreciate all the work he's he's put in. Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're his biggest cheerleaders. I keep checking that development tab every day to see if there's any updates. But yeah, that'll be good. So finally, without further ado, we're going to introduce a new 
segment that's going to take the place of O-Sam this week. O-Sam. Um, and this will be Clear Mind. Wow, I like how you did that. <laughs> and kind of going for like a zen, you know? I don't know. All right, so Clear Mind is a segment where we're going to cover a complex interaction that we may have stumbled across or the community may have stumbled across and that we kind of want to publicize. So that way, in the rare chance that it actually happens to you, you'll know what to do. So the weird interaction that we found in our Discord the other day that blew up into like a 300 message topic of discussion, um, it was... (laughs) It was awesome. The sanctimonious think tank. Yeah, so... Hard at work. Breaking the game. <laughs> credit to Beehawk. He was the one that came up with this. Uh, so it's Strange Gizmo plus Jergoggle plus an alpha card underneath Jergoggle. So Jergoggle is a Logos creature that says... Where is I? Jergoggle. There we go. He is elusive power two. When you play, you put a card from your hand face down under Jergoggle. When he's destroyed, if it's your turn, play the card under your goggle, otherwise archive that card. So if he's destroyed on your opponent's turn, you just archive the card under him, no big deal. If he's destroyed on your turn, you can actually play that card. Um, the, the place where this becomes complex is with Strange Gizmo. Strange Gizmo destroys things during your Forge a Key step. Alpha cards specifically say you can't play another alpha card unless you've played something else in step three, which step one is forge key. Step three is like playing out your turn. So what this means is you could double alpha a turn. So if you had something like binate rupture, you go binate rupture into binate rupture into interdimensional graft for the big um, swing. Like the royal flesh of key forge right there. If you pull that off. So yeah, so like, it's just this weird step. Um, Omega cards also work this way too, because they're only ending the first step. So I think the other thing we were looking at was Duskwitch underneath there. So if you go Strange Gizmo with a Jargoggle with Duskwitch underneath Jargoggle, um, when it's played, it ends the step, but that step is just the Forge Key step. So you move on to your regular turn step. And uh, yeah, then you've got a ready dusk witch for that turn. Throw a swindle under there. <laughs> yeah, throw a swindle, steal three. Your turn's not over. You still get to have a turn and declare whatever house you want. So yeah, that's pretty solid. So take a look if if you got uh, any jar goggle and strange gizmo decks like that. There could be some real busted synergies there. Yeah. And it's pretty rare because I mean, strange gizmo is a rare. Um, Dragoggle is an uncommon, so there's probably not too many out there, but if you do have it, um, just know that the Alpha and Omega, it pretty much says Alpha and Omega doesn't matter if your Strange Gizmo goes off during your Forge a Key step, because that's step one, and step three is your actual like playing cards part of your turn. So until that gets clarified by FFG, um, there was a lot of discussion, and I think he even took it to a few other discords, and pretty much everybody came to the same conclusion that, yeah, that, that works. Alpha and Omega mean nothing in step one. So we're on the lookout here for those decks. So if you got one, you can just uh, 
shoot me a dm on twitter just don't let dan know (laughs) (laughs) i'll just take all of your exhume ronnie risk clocks deck that's fine one more kind of related really quick not really super complex clear minds clear in the mind (laughs) i don't know (laughs) (laughs) so titan librarian really quick says at the end of your turn if titan librarian is not on a flank archive a card um the timing on this one just so everybody's clear is end of turn means after you've drawn your cards then you end your turn so titan librarian literally reads draw your hand for your next turn and archive one so just make sure you're doing that in the right order all right that was the last one i just want to make sure that one's kind of tied in this one that's good, though. Yeah, it's not totally intuitive no, either, just, I, I think. Cause, so. Yeah, the end of the turn, but if you actually go in and look at the rule books, your turn ends after you've drawn your cards and readied your creatures. So that would mean that the librarian would archive after you draw your cards and not before. And I know I played it wrong in my first sealed, I archived and then drew my cards. Well, I think that is uh, a really good explanation. And then just keep in mind, this is a new topic that we will throw in from time to time so if you have any interesting rules interactions that you come across feel free to shoot us an email at sanctimonious at gmail or just pop into our discord and let us know what you found or even if you have a question about how something works you never know that might end up being the next clear mind topic yep for sure definitely we love discussing complex rules interactions on the discord it makes you a better player too, like understanding how the all how all these work because it may come into play in other ways, like knowing exactly how the steps of your turn work or the order of drawing. So it's not necessarily just in this, but just making you a more knowledgeable player overall is certainly something that will help improve your game. Indeed, indeed. All right, so show Twitter. Follow the show Twitter at Sanctimonious on Twitter. We post episodes and funny role playing talking like the guy that's actually talking sanctimoniously, which is fun. Uh, so check that out. Um, my follows are Twitter, Dan is someone, D-A-N-I-S-S-O-M-E, and the number one, and the same username for Twitch. Jake, where can they find you? So I am Jake Freed, J-A-K-E-F-R-Y-D, on Twitter, on twitch and then i just mentioned we have the sanctimonious gmail set up now as well so if you uh want to reach us there it's just sanctimonious as in the name of this podcast at gmail and um shoot us an email leave us a review uh we promise to read out any kind of reviews we get here Uh, we certainly will read everything you guys send us and thanks for all your support and listening to this episode of sanctimonious Archons of the Crucible, prepare thine selves for the Adaptive League. Leave thy X on the marking of the Discord channel for the sign-up. Be prepared to face worthy foes and adversaries in jovial combat within the Crucible. Now go forth and forge those keys. Here in the mind. <laughs> <laughs>